appreciate you coming. Well, anyway, I was didn't know he was going to call me up this soon, and I just put a cough drop in my mouth. <clears throat> Anybody want to finish it off while I... <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Pastor Creed. And I want just to read a verse in Luke chapter 7, if you would. And <clears throat> uh, in fact, I'll read uh, a couple of verses here. Uh, Luke 7 said, Now when he had ended all his sayings, talking about Jesus, in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum, and a certain centurion's servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. Now, this centurion, this is a military man. And so it says in verse number 3, And when he heard of Jesus, I thought that was interesting, that this military man heard of Jesus. wonder how he heard of him. Somebody had to tell him. And that's what we have been doing as military missionaries now for, this is my 40th year as a military missionary. In case you're counting already, I started when I was two years old, just in case you're, uh, but um, we've been trying to tell military people about Jesus. I uh, got right with God as a result of Vietnam. I got saved when I was nine years old in a little church in a little mill village down in upper Spartanburg County, South Carolina, and uh, the church got me to Jesus, and I appreciate that, but they didn't teach me how to live for God. Uh, They didn't teach me to be separated from the world uh, and to be grounded in the faith. Uh, And then when I got into uh, my teenage years, Uh, In high school, I bowed to the peer pressure, and I got a long ways from God. And then I went into the military right out of high school, and I got farther away from God. In fact, uh, I was stationed right up the road here at Andrews for uh, some time before I went to Vietnam, and and, uh, got a long ways away from God while I was stationed at Andrews. Uh, but uh, God knew how to get my attention. He sent me to Vietnam, and just uh, I hadn't been there but a little while until the Tet Offensive began, and uh, that was a horrible series of battles, and they hit us hard that first night at Benoit, and hit us... uh, uh, I think with 90 plus rounds of 122 millimeter rockets with a six foot warhead on them. Anybody that's ever served in Vietnam will never forget that swishing sound of that 122 coming in. And you never know when it's got your name on it. They hit us with uh, over 100 uh, rounds of M82 mortar fire. 
And uh, then just as, as day began to break, the small arms fire started. And we knew they were coming in on us and going to try to overrun the base. Now, <clears throat> Uh, that will get your attention real quickly when you think you're going to die. And I thought, I guess for the first time in my life, I was going to die that night, uh, the first night of the Tet Offensive. And uh, I began to think about this thing. And I got on my knees in the corner of a bunker. And I said, dear God, I don't want to die in Vietnam. I know I've been away from you. I've been a scoundrel. Not been living for you, but I know you saved me when I was a little boy. And I said, Lord, if you'll take me home, I promise I'll serve you. Well, he did, and I did. I gave my whole life to him. And I said, Lord, whatever you have for me, that's what I want to do. And then uh, I went to Tennessee Temple when I got out of the military and uh, graduated in uh, 1973, and then I started uh, two churches, uh, one in Marion, North Carolina, and then one in Newport News, Virginia, and uh, I, I was pastoring a church, and my former roommate at Tennessee Temple, uh, Brother Terry Frailer, had been after me for years to come over and visit his work. He and his wife were missionaries in Germany working with the German people. And so uh, I ran out of excuses for not going and finally had to go. And uh, it was then that God tore me out of the saddle and uh, I saw a need for military missions. At that time, right at the height of the Cold War in 1983, there were 383,000 American soldiers stationed on the continent of Europe. Uh, and when you factored in the dependents, uh, the women, the children, there were somewhere between 700 and 750,000 Americans on the continent of Europe related to uh, DOD. And <clears throat> bases everywhere in that little country of West Germany. Terry would take me to sightseeing. We'd go by a military base. He'd say, Jeff, there's 30,000 Americans here and there's no church. They have to drive 100 kilometers one way just to go to church. Next day or so, he'd take me the opposite direction, uh, sightseeing or whatever. Jeff, there's 20,000 Americans on this base. There's no church. Uh, and that went on for several days. And my heart began to bleed over that. And I said, Lord, this is not right. These are our people over here. Uh, they're defending our country from the tyrannies of communism. And Lord, it's not right that they don't have a church to go to. I said, Lord, there's preachers all over America back there that, uh, that, that uh, could come over here and start churches and pastor these military people. Why don't you send some of them over here? And it was like a bolt out of heaven. God said, why don't you go? And by the way, you'd better be careful how you pray. You may have to answer your own prayer request. And I said, well, Lord, I've never been called to anything. And honestly, I thought I hadn't. I was pastoring a church. I was happy with it. And, and humanly speaking, I could have spent the rest of my life there, had two little children. And uh, 
God said, well, if that's the only reason you won't do it, I'll call you right now. And it became so obvious to me that God wanted me to be in military missions. It took me two years to uh, uh, convince myself and my family that that was the will of God. But uh, I'm glad that uh, it happened. I resigned my church and moved my family to Schaffenburg, West Germany and worked with our army there in uh, Schaffenburg and then uh, later moved up to Hahn Air Base and worked with the Air Force there and that's where I ran into the Carewoods uh, and uh, they were members of our church there. Uh, <clears throat> they were young and good looking back in those days and so you can just look at them and tell how long that's been. So that's been several years. And then uh, they closed our base in June of 1993, and that's when uh, Dr. Sisk called me, who was the, the uh, general director of BIMI at the time. And he said, Brother Averson, it's been highly recommended uh, by a friend of mine that... Uh, that you probably should be doing faith promise mission conferences. And if you would like to come in and work out of the home office in an international capacity, there will be a place for you. And so we did, and I'm glad that we did. We served as the assistant director of military missions for several years, served as the director for several years, and now, uh, four, almost five years ago, June of 2019, we moved into the capacity of international representative of military missions. And so what we do now, instead of having hands on the, the missionaries, uh, we represent missionary uh, military missions in local churches, uh, in America and different parts of the world. Just got back from Japan uh, in, uh, I think it was October the 31st. On Halloween night, we got back from Japan and uh, we uh, represent military missions and preach faith promise conferences and raise money for missions. Last year, we raised over a million dollars for uh, for uh, missions and God has blessed our efforts and uh, we try our best to get missionaries on the field uh, because uh, uh, people need the Lord and they need to hear of Jesus. Thank you, Pastor. Ms. Alverson, would you come up and, uh, and help him with this basket, hold one side of this basket? And uh, this morning we have some uh, missions banks that we need to bring in. And uh, if you have a missions bank for this Sunday... If you'll bring it up, uh, it'll be a blessing. Let's uh, make sure we bring the banks uh, this morning. Let the Lord use us as we give these banks.
much, and we'll take that basket and handle that. Uh, at this time, we're going to have our offering this morning, and I just wanted to uh, go through, and I want to say thank you for giving uh, uh, our church. God has used us, and uh, I want to say thank you for giving. Uh, this time last year in the evening service, uh, we committed, uh, we promised to give 303801 dollars, and uh, as of right now, every offering that has come in from missions, uh, it is $308,820.49. That's without missions giving for today and the banks and all the things that will be done throughout the day. And so I, I want to say I appreciate it. Uh, uh, we have, a, we have a, a faithful church family that just uh, continues to be used. And uh, thank you for doing what God has uh, challenged you to give. May it be no different this year. Let's let the Lord use us. Let's keep on taking on missionaries. Uh, times are getting interesting, but it's still, there are places all over this world. It's sad. You can drive around this area, and there's places around this area we could start churches. Uh, but there's places all over. There's cities in America that need gospel witnesses, uh, church planters. There's places uh, within within. Our, the sound of our voice, it just seems like uh, right here in Washington, D.C. could stand a, a number of churches. Thank God Graceway Baptist is down there, and Amen. God's really blessed them, and they're running over 100 down there. It's amazing. They need a building, but uh, it's exciting what God is doing, and I want to just challenge you. Let's, let's keep on going for the Lord and see another exciting year in this upcoming year. We're going to have our offering uh, let's be faithful to give now uh, of our tithes and offerings. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for using us. Uh, may we have a heart like the Macedonians, Lord, uh, to our power and beyond our power. Uh, may we be willing uh, to be vessels that you can pour into, that we may be poured out uh, for this world. Uh, give us a, a burden for the lost in our area in our state and around our country and around the world. Uh, bless, meet needs, and use this offering and use this Sunday as just a wonderful day to challenge our hearts again for worldwide evangelization. In Jesus' name, amen.
As Pastor has already introduced Brother Alverson, he's come giving us a testimony, and he's going to come preach for, this, for us this morning right after the special message in song. Walked along the shores of Galilee. From clay he formed the healing bond that caused the blind to see. While stones of wrath lay heavy in their hand, he knelt to write his mercy in the sand. Jesus came to set the captives free, showed us by the way he lived, the way we need to be. Our love is more than words could ever say. We must touch him with compassion to help them find their way. How can we a world we never touch How can we show them Christ If we never show them love Just to say we care will never be enough How can we reach a world we never touch That's long since lost its way We pride ourselves in being set apart Yet we don't have time to touch the broken heart Even if we found the time to care Would we take the risk involved in always being A world we never touch. How can we show them Christ if we never show them love? Just to say we care will never be enough. How can we reach a world we never touch? We hide behind these walls. Security of friends, while beyond the stained glass windows, the world is lost in sin. How can we reach a world we never touch? How can we show them Christ if we never show them love? Just to say we care will never be enough. How can we reach? 
think that microphone is on now. Is that right? Uh, Sometimes <clears throat> uh, the sound man gives me that microphone and, and he says, don't touch it. I've got it just like I want it. I'll control it from here. Well, I found out that sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. I was preaching down in Georgia some time back, and I was telling Brother Sith about this earlier. And the sound man said, now look, I've got this set. I don't want you to touch it. I've got it taken care of. Well, we uh, started the service, and of course, I dare not touch it. And uh, we sang the first stanza of Victory in Jesus. And at the end of it, uh, the first stanza, the music director looked up in the sound room and said, Brother, would you please turn Brother Alverson's microphone off until he gets up to preach? I said, I got the message. I I won't sing anymore. (laughs) Amen. So I always try to make sure it's on when it's supposed to be on and off when it's supposed to be off. Please go by the display and get the brochures, the prayer cards, and the different things uh, back there about military missions, and uh, I hope that you'll pray for us. By the way, uh, this is called a uh, prayer card, a prayer card, and I encourage you to get every one that you can, but remember to pray for that missionary when you take a card. Uh, When I take a missionary prayer card, that's a covenant that I make with that missionary that I'm going to pray for them. I have hundreds of them, and I pray for them on a weekly basis. Uh, Some of them are on the field, some of them are on deputation, some of them are on furlough, but I try to pray every week for those missionaries in different parts of the world. And so I encourage you to pray for missionaries and get those prayer cards, a brochure that tells about our our, uh, military ministry with the BIMI. And uh, I hope you'll go by and get that. Turn with me in the Word of God, if you would, to the book of Isaiah, chapter number 6, a very familiar passage of Scripture. While you're turning, let me say that it's so good to see Dr. Creed and Miss Creed, what precious people these are, and we love them, pray for them on a regular basis, and appreciate them. Brother Mike has been the pastor here almost 30 years, brother, almost 30 years, and that's wonderful, and done a great job for the Lord, and certainly in this area of missions, and I sure commend him and commend the church for that. Uh, you know, uh, uh, my son is my pastor now, and uh, I was telling somebody earlier that uh, I always encourage parents to uh, encourage the children to get involved in Faith Promise Missions. And it might not be but a nickel or a dime or a quarter a week or uh, but under your help, auspices and, and help, help them fill out that card. Help them to pray about it. Help them to fill it out. <coughs> Let them turn it in and make sure that they give it on a regular basis. Now, the reason that I emphasize that is that my children have been given to missions through Faith Promise 
since they were knee-high to a duck. They have grown up giving faith to faith-promised missions. Now, uh, my son is my pastor. He leads his church strongly in faith promise. In fact, I'll preach their conference. Uh, this will be my 21st mission conference in uh, that church uh, next month. And, and he's led that uh, little church to uh, give uh, almost $100,000. We're talking about a church running about a hundred. Uh, uh, to uh, give about a hundred thousand dollars, not quite a hundred thousand yet. Hopefully, uh, this year, maybe next year, uh, hit that. Uh, but uh, my 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 daughter's uh, husband pastors in upstate New York, and they lead their church in faith promise missions, and uh, and I encourage you to en- encourage your children and help them. Uh, to be involved in giving to missions, and you never know uh, what uh, that will do. In the book of Isaiah, chapter number 6, and uh, you got to see my wife a while ago, and I always try to introduce her, but uh, Brother Mike already has, and uh, I always try to make sure everybody knows who she is. Uh, not just uh, I want you to see what a, a young and good-looking wife that I have and marvel that I was able to get her. Uh, and I know most of you do that. Uh, I already had somebody to come in this morning and talk about uh, uh, how in the world that a young lady like her would marry an old man like me. Uh, but uh, i like to introduce her for other reasons, too. I heard about this um, this preacher that was called up to this church to preach. They didn't have a pastor. And the deacons told him, said, Now when you get here, come early, and you come through the auditorium and back to the church offices, and we're going to go over the uh, details of the service. Well, his wife came with him, and she told him, said, Now look, I'm just going to sit down out here in the congregation and uh, I know you'll be busy after the service, and after the service is over, I'll just go out to the car and wait for you there. And you don't have to be in any hurry to come. And so she came in. Nobody was in the auditorium because they were early. And, and uh, he went on back, and he got the details of the service, and the people come in and, and all around her, and, and nobody knew who she was. Uh, and so they had the service, and... And and the preacher forgot to introduce his wife and recognize her, and nobody else did. And so after the service was over, uh, the deacons had gone to the doors to shake hands with the people leaving. And when she started filing out with the others and she got to the door, one of the deacons recognized her to be a visitor. And he shook her hand and said, Ma'am, it's just so good to have you here and we want you to come back again as soon as you can. And he got up close to her ear and said, uh, the preaching is not always this bad here. So uh, I want you to know who she is. So uh, you won't have that problem after a while. Isaiah chapter 6, if you will look at verse number 8, he said, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? 
and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people. I want to speak this morning on so little time that we have to consider the call to missions. We tried to emphasize how little time that we have to, to, to uh, uh, consecrate our commitment and to calculate it and to know what God wants us to do. We tried to, to, to emphasize that in the Sunday school hour. But this morning, I want us to think about so little time to consider the call to missions. Now, I mentioned in the Sunday school hour that anyone who has the ability to think knows that, uh, that something is about to happen. And we look out here and we understand the times and, and we just know that something cataclysmic is about to happen in the world. And you cannot be a sober-minded person and think clearly about world events without understanding that something is about to happen. You look at society. Look at Scripture, and as we compare the Word of God with what we read in the, the newspapers, we know uh, that it's about the end of this present generation, and, and everything in the world is leading up to the time of the rise of the Antichrist. We can see that in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 1. Paul said this, Know that also in the last days perilous times shall come. Troublesome times, disturbing times shall come in these last days. And then the next several verses after verse 1 of 2 Timothy chapter 3, it reads almost like the morning newspaper. Things that are going to be going on in the world, in the last times. And what I'm trying to get us to see is that we don't have a whole lot of time left. And if you have any plans at all of doing anything for Jesus, you'd better get it done. Because I believe with all of my heart uh, that uh, we're about to go home. We're about to leave this world. And this is the thought that I want to try to leave with us today. So little time to calculate our commitment, to fill out our faith promise cards, to turn them in. And so many time, so little time to consider the call to missions. I want us to think about that this morning and let's pray and ask God's blessings on it. Father, speak to our hearts now as only God can do. And I pray, Father, that you will work in our hearts and lives today. I look out at this congregation, Lord, and, and I just wonder how much potential is here that could be used of God on the mission field. And it might be that there would be some man or woman, some teenager, 
Somebody here today that would step forth and say, Here am I, send me. Lord, I'll be willing to give my life to missions. I'll be willing to consider that call, Lord, whatever you want me to do. Speak to our hearts now as only God can do in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah was a missionary. What you might would call today a, a home missionary. Uh, his mission field was uh, Israel and Judah. And Isaiah's task was to preach. He was to preach judgment to the nations. He was to preach salvation to the nations. He was to preach uh, revival to the nations. But he had a task to minister to Israel and Judah. Now, this famous passage that I just read in your hearing, I believe records Isaiah's call to mission work. And brother, we look at it, and, and, and I think it's of deathless interest uh, that uh, this passage embodies the basic elements, uh, I, be I believe, that begins any call to missionary service. I'll not take the time to go back to uh, the first five chapters of, uh, of uh, this wonderful uh, book of the Bible. Uh, in fact, I may go back to chapter 5 in a moment, but uh, uh, those uh, first five chapters record the, the woes against uh, this apostate nation of Israel. Now, standing in the spotlight himself, and I believe Isaiah is awed by the presence of Almighty God, and he's aware of the burning holiness of Almighty God. He cries out in verse 5 and says, Woe is me. And one thing that Isaiah discovered is that God doesn't necessarily have to have a golden vessel that he can work through, but he does have to have a clean vessel. In fact, in chapter 52 of Isaiah, in verse 11, he says to be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. And so Isaiah saw his need and he saw that he wasn't ready to be used of God. And as a result of it, uh, he cried out to God uh, for cleansing. I want us to look at this passage in these first few verses of this chapter. And I want us to see those things wrote down three of them, three things that embody those basic elements that begins any missionary call. First of all, notice that there was the vision that enthralled him, that captivated him, uh, that got his attention, held him spellbound. What was that vision? Well, uh, he saw God. And, and saw the glory of God. And I thought it was very interesting that uh, it says that in the year that King Uzziah died, verse 1, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. He saw a vision of the, the, the highness and the holiness and the honor of Almighty God. 
And I'll tell you, Isaiah never was the same after that. And it was as though that, that God is saying to Isaiah, and he, and he starts it out in the year that King Uzziah died. As I was studying this, I discovered that Isaiah had a great admiration for King Uzziah. He had been sitting on the throne of Judah for 52 years. And he was a good king as far as Isaiah was concerned. And he had a great admiration for him. But in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah said, now the throne of of Judah is empty. And his heart was broken over it. But it seems like God was saying, Isaiah, look up here. The throne of heaven is well and good. There's nothing wrong with the throne of heaven. The throne of Judah may be empty. It may be vacated. But the throne of heaven is well and good. You know, I got to thinking about that, and it would do us all good to view what's going on in the world from the viewpoint of heaven, from the throne room of God. I mean, uh, I get frustrated just like most everybody who loves America does at the way this crowd is running our country today and, and running it into the ground. It frustrates the daylights out of me. This is not the America that I grew up in. And it burdens my heart to see some of these things that's going on. I love my nation. I fought for my nation. I'd do it again if my country called them. I couldn't do as much at age 77 as I could at age 19. But, but I can fire a gun and somebody point me in the right direction, I'd shoot, amen. Uh, yes, I would do what I could for my country. But boy, I'll tell you, I'm reminded ever so often, that Jeff, everything's all right from heaven's point of view. God's not frustrated. God's not sitting in the heavens wringing his hands and chewing his fingernails and saying, boy, I got, I've lost control of that situation down there in the world. No, everything is going right on God's schedule. And we need to look at it from heaven's viewpoint. You say, well, preacher, what about all this sin and all this rebellion that's going on? God knows all about that. Hey, hey, and although the church does not have to go through any part of the tribulation period, we have to go right up to it. And, and we're going to see evil men and seducers wax worse and worse in this world. Uh, Hey, it's not going to get much better until Jesus comes. We may as well dig in and understand that. But to understand that God has got it all under control. And I believe that this is what God was showing Isaiah as Isaiah looked up. He had that upward look and he saw the holiness of Almighty God. And he knew everything then was under control. But then I want you to notice a second thing. Not only the vision that enthralled him, he saw God. But then he had that inward look and he saw the vileness that appalled him. 
You see, he was appalled with what he saw on the inside. He looked up and saw God and, and God's holiness and God's deity. But he looks in and he sees his depravity and his helplessness. Look at it if you would. In verse 5, after you've seen God now, and, and, and verse 3 about the seraphim angels saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the posts of the door moved at His voice of Him that cried and the house was filled with smoke. Now look at verse 5. Then said I, Woe is me. Woe is me. Something wrong with me. I've seen God. I've seen His holiness. I've seen deity. And now I'm looking in and I'm seeing depravity. I'm seeing what a helpless creature that I am. Oh, I'll tell you, when we see God, uh, we'll see ourselves for who we are. I thought it was very interesting that in the previous chapter that Isaiah is pronouncing woe after woe on everybody around him. Chapter 5, verse 8, woe unto them. Verse 11, woe unto them. Verse 18, woe unto them. Verse, nine, uh, ver- verse 20, woe unto them. Verse 21, woe unto them. Verse 22, woe unto them. Woe, 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 woe. Woe unto that crowd over there. Woe unto that crowd over there. Woe unto that. Woe unto Woe, 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 woe unto them. But something happens in verse 6. He sees, or chapter 6, he sees God. And when he sees God, his testimony is changed. It's not woe unto them anymore. It's woe unto me. Lord, it's not my brother and sister standing in the need of prayer. It's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Woe is me. And then he goes on to say, because uh, he says, I am undone. Uh, That's a very interesting thought that he says, I'm undone. Uh, It uh, it, it means that that uh, he's completely cut off. That's literally what the word means. I'm cut off. That's the same thought that he used in chapter 59 of Isaiah, verses 1 and 2. And I want you just to listen to this, if you would. He said, Behold, the hand of the Lord is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. You see, uh, he says, I'm undone. I'm cut off. It's the same thought uh, that when Jesus was dying on the cross and He became sin for us, literally. First Peter 2 and, uh, tells us that, that He bare in His body our own sins. He literally became sin for us. And in the midst of the crucifixion, when the Son of God bore our sins to Calvary, God blacked out the universe. 
and severed relations with his son, severed fellowship with his son for the first time in all of eternity, from eternity past. You know why? Psalm 22 tells us why. It's because that he's a holy God. He cannot look upon sin. And when Jesus was made sin for us, He bore in His body, His own body, our sins. A holy God cannot look upon sin. And so He turned His back on His own Son at Calvary because He cannot look upon sin. Now, my dear friend, that's a serious matter as far as I'm concerned. You see, He cried, Jesus cried from the cross and said, My God, my God, why? Hast thou forsaken me? By the way, that's the only time he ever addressed his father as God. Every other time was, my father, my father, my father. But on the cross, when he became sin for us, and the Holy Father had to sever fellowship with him, it was not my father. Uh, It was, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You see, that was not a cry of a son to his father. That was the cry of a pagan to his God because he had been made sin for us. He was separated from, he had become undone. And that's exactly what Isaiah is talking about. He saw himself away from God. He said, I'm, I'm undone because I am a man of unclean lips. Isaiah had a problem with his lips. I don't know if he was a cusser or if he was a gossiper or a complainer, but he had problems with his lips. By the way, gossiping is sin too and complaining is sin too. Uh, Don't you just hate to be around a complainer all the time? Somebody that complains about everything. Have you ever had anybody to do something for you and they complain about it the whole time they're doing it? I'd rather them just not do anything for me. Uh, But he had a problem uh, with his lips, he said. And then there was the cleansing of it. Verse 6, and flew one of the seraphims unto me having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from off the altar. He laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. All right, now, here he is. He's had a vision that's enthralled him. He looked up, and he saw deity. And then he had a vileness that appalled him. He looked in, and he saw depravity. But I want you to notice that third thing. There was the voice then that called him in verse number 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And God said then, Go and tell this people. There was a voice that called him and said I, Who will go for me? You see, the first thing that Isaiah heard when he got right with God was the voice of God saying, 
who will go for us. Who will go for us. And Isaiah, I believe, with his heart on fire for God now, he says, here am I. Send me. I'm willing to go. You see, he looked up and saw deity. He looked in and saw depravity. And then he looked out and he saw a duty that needed to be done. Who will go for us? God said, here am I. Send me. I wonder if you've ever seriously considered the call to missions. Have you ever thought seriously, can I be used of God on the mission field? Oh, listen, folks, people need the Lord. Pastors talking a while ago about just about any direction you look at from, from here, there needs to be a church started. And just think about in different parts of the world, God is still asking the question, who will go for us? Are you close enough to the Lord today to be able to amply answer that call as Isaiah did? Here am I, send me. Have you ever seriously considered the call of God for missions on your life? Folks, Time is short. I don't know how much longer we have left, uh, but God's winding His program down quickly. I said in the Sunday school hour, I've been preaching 55 years, and I have never, never believed the imminency of the coming of the Lord as I do today. I believe that everything is lining up in the world. I, I believe the tribulation actors are already on stage. They're all ready to be revealed. The only thing that's lacking is the rising of the curtain. And that's going to take place in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And what I'm saying, my dear friends, if you've got any plans at all to do anything for Jesus, you had better get it done because we're about to go home you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ to be your Savior, let me beg you not to wait another day. We are not promised that we'll be here tomorrow. And I'll tell you, dear friends, you've got a wonderful opportunity today to be saved. And I hope that you will come to Christ and trust Him to be your Savior before it's too late. Years ago, centuries ago, I should say, in the eastern part of Germany, <clears throat> there was a movement called the Moravian Movement in Herrnhut, Germany, led by <clears throat> Count Nicholas Zinzendorf. And <clears throat> God used this man in the early 17 to mid-1700s. <clears throat> and this Moravian Movement, to send missionaries out to various parts of the world. They were very mission-minded people. <coughs> and one day, a, uh, <clears throat> a former slave from the West Indies uh, who was going across Europe telling about the, uh, the uh, awful conditions in the West Indies of slavery and telling the churches that to pray for that situation, 
He had been a slave himself, but miraculously he had gotten saved and he was free, had been freed from slavery. And as a result of that, he was going across Europe, different churches, and he ended up in uh, Herrenhut with uh, 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 Count Zingzendorf. And, and he gave his testimony about that slave trade in the West Indies and how that uh, people, uh, people that he had known were dying and going to hell and they needed somebody to go. He could not go back himself. But somebody needed to go and take them the gospel. And so he told that as he gave his testimony in that, 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 that Moravian Brethren Church that day about the great need. There were two men in that church. One of them's name was Johann Leonard Dober. And the other man's name was David Nitschmann. And as a result of it, they got it under a heavy burden, those two men, to go to the West Indies and take the gospel to the slaves that were in the West Indies. And they gave their lives to do that. They said, God, if that's what you want us to do, we'll do it. And then they learned uh, some weeks later that the only way that they would be able to do that is to sell themselves as slaves and as slaves to go to the West Indies and take the gospel. And so the time came when they were to leave and go. Many of the church had followed them to the coast where they caught the ship. And as, as Johann uh, Leonard Dober and, and David Nitschmann those two German men that had given their lives to reach those slaves in the West Indies, they boarded the ship, realizing that they may never and probably never would see their loved ones again, that this commitment would be forever. And so they boarded the ship and they headed out. And as the ship was headed out, the people on the shore waving goodbye they heard the last words that those two men said. And they said this, May the Lamb that was slain receive the full reward of His suffering. And they said it over and over until they couldn't hear them anymore. May the Lamb that was slain receive the full reward of His suffering. We've given our lives to God. And may the blessed Lamb of God be glorified in and through it all. Now, my friend, I'm asking, have you ever seriously considered the call to missions? What would you sacrifice? What would you be willing to give up to go to the mission field? And I tell you, it's a serious thing. But I challenge you to let God speak to your heart because this may be the last here. This may be the last opportunity that we have to get out the gospel message. I hope we'll consider that. Let's stand with our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Our Heavenly Father, I look at this congregation and I just wonder how many sitting here would seriously consider 
the call of God as missions in their lives. I pray you'd speak to hearts, Lord. I know how you dealt with my heart to go to the mission field years ago. And Lord, I know how you've dealt with many others. And you may be dealing with some hearts today to step forth and say, Here am I, send me. Lord, I'm willing to go. I may not know where, I may not know when, I may not know how, but dear God, I want to come and say I'm ready to do the will of God, whatever that might be, and give themselves to the call of God. Speak to our hearts now, we pray. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We're in the presence of Almighty God this morning. I wonder, have you ever seriously given it any thought? Lord, what do you want me to do in life? Could you use me on the mission field? Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you want to do. I wonder this morning how many of you uh, would just walk down any one of these aisles and get on your knees in this old-fashioned altar prayer and say, Lord, I don't know what you want, when you want it, how to do it, but Lord, I'm willing to do the will of God, whatever it is. I hope that you will. I want to ask our musicians just to play. And Brother Andrew is here this morning. Maybe you just need to come and just kneel in this altar and be serious about it. And ask the Lord. Say, Lord, I want to consider the call to missions like Isaiah did when he got right with God. The first thing that he heard was the voice of God speaking and saying, we'll go for us. Maybe there's some folks here who say, Preacher, there's some things in my life that's not right with God. I need to get those things straightened out before that I can consider anything about the call of missions. Won't you step out right now? Make your way to this altar. Just get on your knees here and get those things settled with God. Lord, I'm sorry that I've not been the Christian that I ought to be. And I want to end that right here. And I want to be that child of God that you want me to be. If you're here unsaved, listen to me real closely. This could be the most important moment of your life. If you're not saved, you say, Preacher, what can I do? to step out from where you are standing there in that pew next to that pew. Walk down any one of these aisles. Brother Andrew, standing right here and just say, Brother Andrew, I'm not saved. That's all you need to do. He'll know what to do. Somebody will take the Bible and show you from the Bible how to be saved and how that you can know that you're saved. God speaks to your heart. You dear folks in the altar, you stay here as long as you need to. Our pastor is coming down to to, uh, continue the invitation and then to close as God leads him to do so, Pastor. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you, uh, today, let's not think about other things that we're going to be doing today and you know, the activities of the day, but why don't we 
really say this, Lord, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? And uh, it's very easy to look at other people and really consider what they ought to do. But sometimes we need to draw back and just really understand what God wants to do in my life, what in your life. This morning, Brother Dove's going to sing an invitation song. If you're not saved, number one, if you're not saved, you ought to get saved today. Tonight, this morning, if, if you have a decision to make, maybe it's scriptural baptism, maybe it's making a public profession of your faith, whatever it is, I want to say this, don't hesitate. Just go ahead and step out. Let us help you. Why don't you step out today and do business with God? Whatever it is, whatever, if it's surrender, whatever it is, let's do business with God today. Let's use, use this invitation as a wonderful time just to answer what God would have us to do. Why don't you step out this morning? Brother Dove's going to sing. Why don't you come this morning? All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Jasmine, who do you have with you this morning? Do what? Zacchaeus. And he is a wee little man. I know that. It's good to see you, Jasmine. We're excited for you and everything that's going on there. It's a blessing to see you this morning. Uh, this morning, Gina Johnson has come and she. Uh, has uh, met with me and 
uh, I know her, the church that she was in in Georgia. He's a friend of ours, and she comes from a wonderful place, and she wants to join our church. And uh, Gina, would you stand right there? Gina, you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior, and you've been scripturally baptized by immersion. If you're happy, Gina's come, signify with uplifted hand. She's here all the time, and she's even been around our, our school ministry some, and and we're just excited to have her come this morning. I hope you'll greet her uh, right after the service. Let her know that you're excited about uh, her membership in our church. And uh, what a wonderful, uh, what a wonderful blessing uh, to have her here. Ushers, if you'll come uh, with the faith promise, we'll, we'll have you come up in just a second, Gina, and have folks greet you. If you'll just stay here, okay? We're gonna have, we want folks to shake hands with you after the service, okay? And so uh, if everybody can get a faith promise card, and let me explain this. Uh, fellas, you can go ahead and start giving those out. But uh, if, uh, if you made a faith promise last year, and even up to the missions banquet, today we, we begin, uh, this month we, have, we are making a commitment for the new year. So we're racing that and saying this, this is what God is leading me to do this year. Don't add on to what what you did last year, uh, give the full amount that God is leading you to give this year in worldwide evangelization. Now, let me say this. Faith promise is not the tithe. Correct. The tithe is the Lord's. Yeah. Can, I, can, can I have you say amen with that? Yeah. The tithe is the Lord's. And then above the tithes and the offerings, we we give faith promise offerings as as. Well, I tell you what, uh, it couldn't get any more plain what we heard this morning yeah. in the scriptures. It was just shared with us, and, and it, was, it was just true to the scriptures. And so uh, the tithe is the Lord's, and so above and beyond our tithes, we as a church pray, God, by, by grace, what would you have me do in the next year? Uh, as I said this morning, uh, to this point, up to this point, God... Allowed us, uh, we promised last year, this time, on this Sunday last year, we promised 303,801, and God has let us give 308,820,49, and, and there'll be more that comes in today to add to that. But uh, it's exciting what God has done uh, throughout this year. And I want to commend you for, for carrying out the faith promise. And, uh, and doing what God allowed you to promise to do. You know, there have been very gracious folks that uh, made a commitment last year, and God moved them, but they said, I want to carry out my faith promise. I want to go ahead and carry out my faith promise, because I promised that, and I don't want to just cut that off when God moves me somewhere else. And, and that's, a, that's, a, that's a commendable thing to do, just to stay faithful. It's a serious thing when we make a commitment to God. So uh, I believe that God has given me the responsibility of taking the gospel into the world and fulfilling this responsibility to worldwide evangelization. I promise to give, and it's whatever you're going to give this year. You put it in that space, and then you mark it weekly or monthly. In other words, uh, you might you might uh, give $25 a week, or you might give 100 a month. It's just it's whatever you feel that God would have you to do and how you do it. I had somebody call in and say, can I just go ahead and give all my faith promise in one check? 
And I said, let me pray about that. Yes. Okay. Um, uh, they can, you can give it you know, in one check or you can give it however God leads you to do that. Uh, it goes into a fund. You'll see it in our Wednesday night business meeting. Uh, we'll, we'll share with you. It goes into a missions fund. We have a mission savings, and then we have an active fund that we run off month to month. We send money into uh, uh, every month. We, send, we have 165 missionaries that we send support to. It comes out of that missions fund. Right now we have about 157,000 in missions. We have a church planting fund. We have... Uh, we have a gifts fund where if somebody has a problem, Steve Siddler just had a fire and they lost over $5,000 worth of bedding and, and things. And we're going to be able to be a part of that because we have a place within the missions fund to, to do that. And we always want to keep a cushion of, of maybe six months just in case the economy goes. We can keep on supporting the missionaries if things were bad. Does everybody understand that? Uh, you don't want the government to, if they say, well, well, we're having a bad time, we can't pay you. Um, if there's a missionary in Japan that needs money to pay their mortgage, we want to be able to meet that. That uh, uh, Some of you, some of you uh, were, bo- uh, were born after 2000, but in 2000, there was a great panic yeah. because the computers were going to crash. And the missionaries were scared they were not going to get their money, so we went ahead and sent money ahead of time, and we made sure that there was a cushion there to take care of that. And so uh, we like to keep uh, a cushion there to meet those needs. If you have any questions about the finances or what uh, Jim can give you to a penny, what is happening, and, it, and it's right there. So, uh, so we take our Faith Promise mission cards, and, and this year... This year Throughout the conference, I've uh, I know what I'm gi- I've given this year, and I'm I'm going to give that this year. But then my wife asked me, uh, "What are we going to give beyond?" And I said, "I'm praying on that." And she goes, "Okay," and uh, and so we pray about that, and and we give that final commitment. Uh, you can give it all at one time tonight. You may you may have already given something. Say this: Hey, God wants me to do this. And so I want to challenge you to fill that out. It says this, this amount is in addition to my regular tithes and offerings uh, given through my church. Um, if you'll notice there, it uh, says first time faith promise giver. Sometimes there's some folks that are, uh, it's their first time uh, learning about faith promise. Uh, check that. We just would like, we're interested in helping and it's interesting just knowing. And then mark adult, teenager, or child. Now, are, do you have some of the children's cards in the back? If if you're a parent that needs uh, uh, that your children would like to give, uh, uh, we if the children are going to give, we want the parents' signatures. You know, every child that's given a thousand dollars, we really want to recognize them, <laughs> and, and uh, we want to make sure that the the parents are on board with that thousand dollar gift. Amen. And so uh, it has a place for them to sign. And uh, I think it's special for all children to give. And as our preacher said today, uh, a quarter, a nickel, uh, you never know what one track is going to do on the foreign mission field. And, uh, and it's a blessing. And so uh, challenge your children, teach them, and help them to understand. So if you'll fill that card out and fold it in half, I know there's some, 
I know there's some rascals in our church that like to wait to the last minute. I love, you know, I know who you are, okay? I just know who you are. If you look up here, uh, we've given the first three weeks 185-9-18-40. And then this morning, uh, we'll take, uh, we'll uh, pass the cards in again. Tonight, we'll have the, the Spanish and everybody on the facility will be down uh, in the uh, gymnasium cafeteria. We'll be down there uh, to have our last faith promise. I hope you'll come. It's always a sweet spirit, and, and, and there's food too, amen? And so we'll have a great time there. So ushers, why don't you, uh, let's have a word of prayer. And uh, Carlton, would you stand right there and, and just pray, pray for our faith promise this morning? Loud, okay? Amen. Ushers, if you'll come and collect those cards, if you have those ready this morning, uh, pass those in, and and then uh, uh, and then we'll uh, uh, we'll tally those up for today, and uh, look forward to what God is going to do in this upcoming year. Isn't it exciting when you hit the goal? Amen. And when God, when everybody's a part of it, isn't that exciting? How God uses us and and lets us all be a part. Uh, let's the family just be involved in that. And so uh, it's really, it's exciting to me just to see what God is doing in this day and hour. Uh, by the way, I saw Brother Farringer. Uh, I preached a men's breakfast at, in Claremont, Florida. And Brother Farringer, our missionary to Chile, yes. I still talk to him. And I, I said, man, I, I get hungry every time I hear you're, where you're going, Chile, okay? Um, and, and, and he, he got a good laugh out of that, but he was tired. He had just flown in on Friday night back from Chile. He took his children and he was really, he was really praying that God would just open their heart to the mission field this week. After they flew out, uh, they drove all the way back to Florida, jumped on a plane, went for a week to Chile, to the town that God has called them. And he said, he said, when we got finished with the week, he said, our children didn't want to come back. He said uh, their hearts were knit with the people, and uh, he just really is excited. He wants to get the uh, he wants to get the deputation over with and get down there and and get ministering. So, uh, what a blessing he was, his family, and I got to see him and and uh, a lot of the friends, uh, a lot of friends that we know, and God just really blessed uh, the quick trip to Florida. I'm gl- you know, everybody talks about Florida. Florida is not real special to me. I mean. Uh, I mean, uh, Mickey Mouse doesn't appeal to me, okay? I saw all kinds of adults with Mickey Mouse ears on. I don't know. But uh, it was interesting. And uh, I had a good time preaching down there. And I, I preached in a town called, I think it's called Umatilla. Umatilla, Florida. Uh, some of the names of those towns, you know. I'm driving down the road, y'all come. Hey, hey, y'all come to this town. And, you know, that's kind of like the name on the town. I mean... Uh, there's some strange names down there in Florida. Uh, I like the seasons. I don't like fire ants. I don't like hurricanes. And I like Maryland. Blue crabs and shrimp and enjoying life, okay? Here we go. I'm going to go slow for you guys back there, okay? But uh, uh, today, this is the 
This is the weekly, $15 weekly, $10 weekly, or $10 weekly, $8 weekly, $6 weekly, $35 weekly, and $15 weekly. And that's the weekly. Okay, here's the monthly. Man, that's a great stack. God is working on some of your hearts there, okay? That's wonderful. Uh, you ready? Okay, 750 monthly. 200 monthly. $70 monthly. $250 monthly. $200.60 monthly. $250 monthly, $100 monthly, $200 monthly, $50 monthly, $10, $5, $100, here's Carlton's, $1, I'm sorry, Carlton. We always pick on you, don't we? A dollar fifty. Amen. A hundred dollars. Twenty-eight dollars. Is that seventy-two? Yes. Seventy-two dollars. Twelve dollars. Six hundred dollars. A hundred dollars. and $320, and $320. Amen? And we're at 240, 107.60. Amen? And so that's a blessing. Thank you so much. And that's... uh, that's a great jump, and that's exciting to see what God is doing there, and so what a blessing. Now, I don't know about you, but I've enjoyed the preaching. Well, I've been convicted, but I've enjoyed. It's been from the Bible today, amen? And tonight it'll be no different difference. Uh, I'm going to let Andrew come, and he's going to share with you uh, some of the key things that need to happen tonight, but we'll be here right at 5 o'clock. Andrew, why don't you share? Final announcements here, so don't forget uh, that tonight is our uh, last service course of the Missions Conference, and if you still have a Missions Bank you have not handed in, please be sure to bring that tonight, and we can collect those uh, Missions Banks and make sure that that gets to where it needs to be. Our Missions Banquet tonight, 5 o'clock is when we're going to start, and so if you have not signed up for a dish, please do so in the back. There's aluminum pans there that you can grab. Please bring the food warm. And uh, don't bring it cold to where we have to cook it. If everyone does that, that's not going to work out real well, okay? So you need to bring it warm, ready to go. And uh, we want to start eating at 5, which means you need to be here a little bit before that to where we can get all the food in. There will be some uh, uh, people out the doors to help carry everything in and get it set up on the right tables. But we need you here before 5 to where we can try and start eating by 5. We don't. It's going to be a little bit longer because we have a meal, but we want to make sure it's not too late of a night. And so please help us uh, with that. 
following the service, and it's down the gymnasium, uh, not the cafeteria, but the gymnasium. And following the service, Brother Cisco needs a hand, uh, so especially teenagers, if you could help Brother Cisco, we need to take all of our flags here along the front and uh, the choir loft and everything, and we're going to take them down there to the gymnasium. And so if some of you could stay around for just a minute or two and help him with that, I know he would appreciate that. Annual business meeting is this Wednesday night following the evening service. So if at all possible, please be sure uh, to be here this coming uh, Wednesday night. Lord's Supper will be next uh, uh, Sunday night, February the 4th. And then our gospel outreach will be the second Sunday in February, February the 11th. And so we'll be starting at 4 o'clock. So please be sure to uh, plan on being a part of that. Also, we have uh, teen activity. February 16th and 17th, we have a teen lock-in. If you have questions about that, please see Brother or Mrs. Cisco. Pastor, anything else we need to mention? Brother Alverson, could you all move back by your table? And Gina, could you stand up with, could you stand with her, Jill? And folks, please come by and let Gina know that you're just excited about uh, her joining today. Okay. All right, let's go ahead and stand together here. We'll close in a word of prayer and have Brother Dove come lead us in our closing chorus as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, your goodness to us, Lord, and thank you for the great message that we heard this morning, just the great service and um, the commitments. And Father, we just pray that our heart's desire, uh, Lord, is that each and every member would simply do what you would have them to do. And Lord, I just pray that you'd work on all of our hearts and help all of us to be sensitive to your will uh, concerning this area of missions for the rest of this year. And Lord, I pray that if someone needs to uh, be a missionary, if you're calling them, Lord, I pray that they would surrender and uh, uh, to that calling, Father. And we ask your blessing upon the rest of this afternoon, this evening, as you bring us all back together. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Dove. Let's sing the chorus. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus, the King of kings is He, the Lord of lords supreme throughout eternity. The great I am, the way, the truth, the life, the door. Let's talk about Jesus more and more. Uh, I, I wanted to mention uh, Terry Carter. Her father's funeral. Did you mention that? Yes. The uh, brother Mallory's funeral will be Friday at uh, Highland. I'll get that, but it is Friday, uh, and uh, if you have questions, call me or text me. I'll get it to you. Or have it tonight. God bless you.